Welcome to the Mental Mile. I'm Charisty. I'm Christy. And we are moms, friends, and therapists. Welcome back, Christy. Good to see you. You too. It has been seven minutes since we last talked because we like to be efficient and record two podcasts at one time. But it is good to see you. That's right. That's right. It is good to see you. And we did take a seven minute break. So we sure did. It's been a, it's been a minute. (laughs) Our perspective on life has changed, evolved. That's right. We're here. We're here again. So um, we wanted to start off by talking about something unique we've done lately. And um, what have you been doing? Well, um, I, as I've mentioned, this is the end of the year. We get out next month. It's very busy, but there's also a lot of fun end of the year events that I haven't gotten to experience as much because I've been in um, elementary school for so long. So I've been doing a lot more with the middle school this year. And um, on Friday, which was just a couple days ago, we had our Pride Spirit Day and that was voted on by the student council. And we had such a wonderful time. So we had a a budget this year and I had a few hundred dollars left. And in the schools, you use it or lose it. It does not roll over to the next year. And so I co-facilitate the GSA which when I was younger was the um, Gay Straight Alliance and now it is the Gender Sexuality Alliance. And we talked about having booths for kids that day. So we set up three different pride booths uh, for the different entrances where the students come in and we had stickers and pins and flags. And um, that way, when um, the student council came in to check spirit points and count how many people wore rainbow stuff for the day, if you forgot, or maybe if your family wasn't supportive, you would have an item from the GSA Pride booth. So it was super just fun and invigorating. And that's the part I love about schools is, you know, as a therapist, you work with kids who oftentimes are really struggling or experiencing a lot of pain. And there's so much beauty to being in that with them. And then also balancing it out with just the like culture and energy of a school, getting to know lots of different kids and having these events where you can just see them light up and feel so proud. It's just so heartwarming. Um, So I'm still riding off of a high of that experience on Friday. Oh, I love that. I love how like how much like heartwarming energy it just gives you, you know, to like be part of that and to know like you know, these kids are, are finding community where, whereas, you know, and in other places and other times, they might not have been finding community and to facilitate that and just see it like blossom so nicely. What, what a great experience. Yeah. And it was just Friday. It was a beautiful day. Um, and, you know, the kids came up to me after they said, everyone was so supportive. And I felt that about our school, but just to have that affirmed to them that everybody was just really positive, wanted to participate, wanted to learn about the different flags and meanings or have stickers. Um, you could just tell it made them really proud. And um, yeah, I rolled in. I was a few minutes late because of traffic. And I thought there won't be traffic Friday morning. And the kids were there waiting for me because I was going to open some stuff up so we could get different tables out. And they're like, yes, Miss Christie's here. <laughs> so sweet. Um, and excited oh to help. And um, so, yeah, that was a really uh, fun way to wrap up a very busy week. Oh, I love it. I yeah. love it. So, what about That's you, Cheersy? So last weekend, my daughter's in Girl Scouts and we went camping with the Girl Scouts and um, it was really fun. This is the second time I've gone camping um, this year with her troop 
And every time it's like, uh, uh, I'm always like, oh, I don't want to go. But then it's like this like really nice bonding experience and girls always have like a really great time. Um, but this time it was um, actually at, like camping is a loose term because we were in like a building with like bunk beds and um, everybody had like their own bed and stuff. Um, so glamping maybe, I don't know. But uh, the location was really interesting. I didn't realize the Girl Scouts owned so many like properties. Um, interesting. And so uh, this is kind of up in the Marin area. So, you know, okay. we drive up to like Marin and you're in kind of like a cute little town. And then, um, and then you take like, to get to the location, you go down like this one way dirt road and um, you know, it's nature everywhere. You don't have any cell reception and then there's a couple of like really old buildings and, and that's where we stayed in the really old buildings. And so um, I said to like another parent, I was like, I wonder what this used to be because it doesn't seem like, like it seems too old for like the Girl Scouts to have built it specifically for the Girl Scouts purposes. Mm -hmm. And also another thing is like the buildings have electricity, like they have lights, mm -hmm. but they right. don't have any outlets. So like you can't plug anything in or anything like that. And I was like, this is very strange and unusual. <laughs> anyway, so um, it kind of has this vibe of like, is it haunted? And um, I know you're reminding so me I, of a horror movie here, but you said you had a great yeah. time. It was a great time. So I just, um, I, I mentioned to this other mom friend, I say, I wonder what the history is of this place. And she says, it was, she said, don't tell the girls it was a hospital. And I was like, a hospital? <laughs> I'm like, why would they build a hospital? Like, you know, where you have to go down this one one lane dirt road. It's like far, like outside of the city, not very accessible. Like this doesn't seem like a normal hospital. And so then my mind is like, it's like, what kind of hospital would this be? You know, like this is really spooky. So when I got home and I had internet access again, I looked it up and it is haunted. <laughs> <laughs> oh it really is so I, I don't really believe in that kind of stuff but there's like a history so it was a hospital that housed women and children after the 1908 earthquake and so it wasn't okay. like your typical hospital it was like meant to like house house people that were in need um and um uh, I, I don't know what else it was used for but so it was built a long time ago and on top of that it said um, in, in just this article I found, it said that it was built on top of um, Native American burial grounds, which I was like, mm. what the? Anyways, so people have reported that it is haunted and there have been like actual like sightings of uh, supernatural things. Mm. And um, anyway, so I did, did, of course, didn't tell my daughter because I don't want her to be scared, but um, <laughs> I did email all the other parents <laughs> that way just so I, you know so you know where we stayed was haunted <laughs> <laughs> wow but you had fun it was a lot of fun and uh, honestly I didn't see any supernatural events um so <laughs> how long are but these camping trips I did think two it was nights pretty interesting this one was one night uh okay. but the one we went to before was two nights okay oh I could do one night yeah it was it was really nice it was fun um we had a great time so Nothing, nothing scary happened. Uh, it was just interesting to learn the history. Well, your yeah. intuition was right. 
Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just get a vibe about a place, right? Just you're like, hmm, something yeah. seems off. <laughs> it seems a little spooky. <laughs> well, Charisy, this is a great segue because you sent me an article about teens and sleep and mental health. And a lot mm-hmm. of that talks about nature and how mm-hmm. we are not having enough time in nature, but we wanted to take some time to talk about um, just sort of our experiences and working with teens. Our kids are younger, but both of us have worked for many years with teens um, as therapists. And we wanted right. to to focus on this age group because I don't think we've done one focused on teens yet. Um, no, so the article you sent so. me is called... And this is, you hear parents talking about this. I now have, you know, friends and colleagues who will say, what do you think about this teen mental health crisis, right? So there's been this series and this was from the New York Times and it was by David Leonhardt and uh, looking at the role of digital technology and how that impacts teens. So it's actually a pretty short article um, Mm -hmm. and if I were to summarize it, it kind of says, um, you know, with the rise in uh, technology and social media, we, we've seen kids' mental health um, also plummet. And, um, and he talks a little bit about, you know, uh, if kids get more nature time and sleep, um, it counteracts a lot of this stuff. How would you summarize it? Does that seem accurate? Yeah, absolutely. And they talk about, you know, there are certain things that have gone down with the rise of technology, such as teen pregnancies um, and things like that. But we've also seen this sort of like delayed development, right? Kids are defaulting Mm -hmm. to wanting to be on their phones and devices. They can use Uber. So we're seeing, you know, fewer teens want to get their driver's license when they're eligible. Um, Dating has really changed. So, um, you know, again, you know, my perspective always is, is that technology is here to stay and it's scary and overwhelming as a parent, but sort of looking at our role of how to model our interaction with technology, enjoying the positive sides, tuning into ourselves and realizing when it's not working for us and pulling back. Um, but it is a huge concern for parents and educators, right? You know, I work in a school and they're like, our kids are tired, you know, they're, you know, they're staying up on their phones late after they're doing homework, you know, their sleep isn't as good. Um, so it's a huge concern for pediatricians, educators, and parents. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think one thing that a lot of parents um, ask me of the, of that are parents to teens that I work with is like, like, what are the limits I should be setting? Like, is it okay for me to take their phone, um, you know, at 10 PM at night? And my, my response is like, you know, every situation's unique, but if 10 p.m. is your cutoff, like that's, you know, that's a reasonable time, I think. Um, but yeah, you should, you should feel confident in setting those boundaries. But I know you have some uh, thoughts about that. Yeah, you know, I'm the same as you. I worked a lot more with the high school age um, a, few, a few years ago, more earlier in my career. And now I'm with more of that seventh, eighth grade um, teen mm-hmm. and preteen, but it's already happening, right? So I tend to notice around sixth grade, a lot of them are carrying their parents' old iPhone with them. Um, right. And I'm sure they have like limitations and less data and things like that, but there's already that pull for texting and communication that way, um, a social media account. Um, and then I'll talk with kids too and say, but I fall asleep to podcasts or I fall asleep to music on my phone. And so I think that can sort of trip parents up a little bit when they're trying to set that limit. Um, but I do think, you know, we are the parents, we're the model. I always go back to this wonderful resource, um, Common Sense Media. 
-hmm. and they have information on apps, video games, TV shows around ages they would recommend it for, violence levels, language, um, positive messages, things like that. But they also have a free family media contract that we can link in our notes. And it's really helpful. It goes over, I think it sets the stage too, if you're gonna have your own device, then we need to be intentional about that. And it's really, I think, just positive language for the teens as well. If I notice my mood feeling different, these are the people I identify as safe people to talk to. Um, It's not shaming and like, you're addicted to your phone and you're awful, um, but it really goes over, you know, safety online, but also mood. And who am I gonna talk to when I start to notice that? And what agreements have we made ahead of time around what we're gonna do with that? So that when that comes and you're setting limits as a parent, there's a little bit less resistance because we've already put this out in the open that we might need to adjust the limits with this device. Um, So I find that to be a really helpful resource as well. You know, I think the other thing is, and I admit to parents all the time when I talk to them, there's absolutely periods where I'm on my phone too much. And I look at my screen time usage and I go through ups and downs around how much time I take off my phone before I go to bed. So anything you can do with your kids, so there's not that feeling of, you know, well, yes, we get to do things because we're adults, but if you're taking their devices away at 10 and turning off the Wi-Fi and, and things like that, put your device in the device basket for the family as well and sort of have that solidarity with them of if meals are a no device time, then then you don't have your email out and you're not answering work calls and emails and things like that. I think that's really powerful too. Yeah, I, I like the idea of um, you know going through the contract so that you have the conversation with them in advance so they know what the expectation is. Um, and then the modeling um, and follow through is like really what's gonna be how you set the boundary. Um, but it's, it is important, I think, to kind of have the conversation um, in kind of a conflict-free way Um, Because it's going to bring up big feelings, you know, it's like getting your, like for a young child, getting their favorite toy taken away, you know, like they're going to have a tantrum, right? So you can expect that it's, it's going to be um, emotionally charged. Um, But I have noticed, uh, just like you're saying, you know, we as adults oftentimes, you know, are on our devices too much too. Like we're actually experiencing a lot of this uh, similar um, negative effects that um, teens um, and preteens experience as well. Um, and so with my um, older teen clients, um, I oftentimes, they oftentimes want to actually talk about it and they mm-hmm. are looking for strategies. In my experience, um, uh, have been looking for strategies to like, how can they limit themselves as well? Like they are trying to self-monitor. And um, so if you have a teen that kind of falls into that category, like they might actually be really open to like talking about it because unless um, maybe if you have a team like that, it's less about, you know, saying at 10 p.m., you know, you put your your phone in like, you know, the box outside the room or whatever. And more more you talk about, you know, how they can successfully set limits <clears throat> themselves so that they're empowered to do it themselves. Um yeah, because I think some kids really are motivated to uh, manage it and have uh, more awareness around it than than um, a parent might realize. It's yeah. not everybody. And I do think some of that comes from the fact, Tracy, that we get to be in this really unique role as the therapist, which I love, which is that mm-hmm. I'm not actually in charge of setting the limit with the phone. And so it allows that teen to really take their defenses down and share like, you know what? Yeah, I don't feel as great about myself when I'm scrolling till 11 my comparing behavior goes up and I don't feel good. Um, 
and and we want them to have that open space. So it could even be maybe they can have that conversation with you and maybe supporting them and having that conversation with a therapist too, where they can just feel free to express that without knowing that you're also the person in charge of the final decision with that, you know? Right, right, yeah. And, you know, ultimately we're trying to set our kids up so that, you know, when they launch, you know, um, that they have these skills to sort of self-regulate already. So if our go-to is just to like take it away at 10 p.m. at night, that might work functionally for a while, but at some point we do want our kids to be able to kind of master that skill for themselves. And the older the older the teen is, the more, the more you might consider that. I agree. I mean, I think when we get into junior and senior year, we really want to be hopefully experimenting with more freedom and regulating on their own because they are going to head off to college or um, a job and potentially move out of the home and, you know, setting them up with some of those life skills and not having it be an abrupt 180. There's a therapist I really like on Instagram, Dr. Ann Louise Lockhart, and she does a lot on tweens and teens. And I think the other thing that she brought to my attention, which I see a lot with myself too, and also with other parents is um, making removing technology, the default consequence for any sort of behavior. Um, Because we know our kids are really motivated around technology. And when we're looking at behavior and shaping behavior, depending on whatever your parenting perspective is, you're looking at a high interest item right? But what she reminded me of, and I think it, it's helpful for so many parents is you want to make the, the lesson linked to what the behavior was so that we're not just like randomly taking away phone time for a week based on something that doesn't have anything to do with technology. Um, and that asks us to be, to pause for myself included, because sometimes it's not really obvious. What is the natural consequence or boundary or lesson I'm trying to teach instead of just removing something that's high interest. Um, so I thought that was really um, something powerful to um, remind parents of as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, th- I think parents sometimes struggle knowing um, how to identify natural consequences. Um, and if you can't find a natural consequence, you go for a logical consequence. Um, and, you know, so that, you know, you're trying to, the whole idea is that you're trying to uh, kind of teach along the way, not punish. Yeah. And um, so, so yeah, if, if it's easier to kind of ask yourself, how might my child learn from like whatever, you know, uh, thing I'm gonna do here, um, rather than just saying, I'm taking this away because you, you know, have abused your privilege or whatever, that might feel more punitive. Um, yeah, so that's a really great reminder, yeah. So we wanted to talk a little bit about what we can do, because I know this is really scary. <laughs> it can be really overwhelming, um, but right. what are some of the things we can do to sort of, I think about like, there's the boundaries piece as well, but I also think about, and I use this with myself of what can I do that I enjoy instead of being punitive with myself or on my phone that connects me back to my core values or reduces stress and things like that. Um, So maybe you can share some of the things you've talked about with teens or things that work for your family that, um, you know, relieve some of that like technology angst and are also enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I know we want to talk about like the nature piece, just kind of like getting outside and um, prioritizing sort of like the, the more traditional wellness kind of stuff. Um, but I think also we can we can have times where we are, we say, you know, for my kids, I say on the weekends, you can, you can get on your Nintendo, right? Like you don't have to ask, you can just get on. And that's kind of like your free time where it's like not, um, 
you have more free will around, you know, mm. how long you play and things like that. Right. Whereas on school days, we say, no, you don't get to play um, on your Nintendo. So uh, you can do, you can do something similar where it's like, you know, you mentioned like dinner time, like um, all phones away at dinner time or all phones away, you know, when we're spending time, you know, at game night or something. Right. Um, and so you just have limits around um, when um, the devices are available um, so that you can engage is really the idea, right? Um, but yeah, I think getting out in nature is like a really natural way to um, counteract a lot of what's going on with, um, you know, wanting to be on your device and being in uh, pulled into the social media sort of uh, cycle. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with when we're out in nature, um, our brain um, is like, is very um, in present oriented. And um, we are, we, we don't have all that stuff on our mind because it's just our natural response to nature. And it's actually, there's some good um, information about, you know, like the default mode network, which is like, what does your brain do when we're, uh, when there's nothing you have to be doing? Mm-hmm. And there's a theory that um, we have two different default mode networks. And one is um, the social theory, which is when, when we're bored or we, we have downtime or whatever, that we go into like this social practice, which oftentimes looks like rumination um, and, and can mm-hmm. have kind of a negative thought cycle attached to it. But the other one is nature-based and it's where um, we become um, sort of super focused on the nature around us and, um, and, and it's uh, soothing and peaceful and helps reduce cortisol and helps you um, feel relaxed. Um, and it's a good antidote to stress. So um, I always like to think about, you know, like why nature is important. It's because it's tapping into this very positive default mode network. Totally. Which is a good relaxation space, brain space. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, we always want to bring it back to Susie reading or Greater Good magazine. And so I've got a little quote to read from here. So there's one um, article from Greater Good, how nature can make you kinder, happier, and more creative. It's from 2016. And um, it talks about nature relieving attention fatigue and an increasing creativity. So the quote from here is that, you know, our tech is constantly designed to pull for our attention, but many scientists believe our brains were not made for this kind of information bombardment and that it can lead to mental fatigue, overwhelm, and burnout requiring attention restoration to get back to a normal, healthy state. And I think that goes along with a lot of, um, you know, we talked about Cheryl Siegler in the Mommy Burnout book and reducing overwhelm by limiting your choices. We have to very intentionally limit information for ourselves now because there's too much available, whether it's the 24 seven news cycle or we can go on a blog and read about a hundred different strollers. Our mind does not need that. It needs three choices and then to make a choice from those three, three things so that nature can be a really natural way to sort of reset all that bombardment um, and that it leads to more creativity and better problem solving abilities and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I will say as someone whose natural inclination is not to be in nature a lot or run in nature like you, Jersey, I still find ways that work for me, right? Like glamping. I'm happy to camp if there's a bed in a cabin. Okay. I want to go on a beautiful hike, but it's a day hike. You know, I mean, I, there's things you can do that work for you. I love the beach. Like that's my most peaceful place. Like I used to surf. I don't anymore, but if I can just go sit at a beach, 
that's just, you know, and looking at the ocean and hearing the waves, like that's a reset for me. So I feel like you can find the ways um, that it works for you. And I feel like I'm, I'm seeing some kids really brighten up some middle schoolers as sports have come back, you know, with COVID because they're outside, it's the social connection and their phones are down. So there's these built-in right. things that we haven't had as much access to, and you can just see a brightness um, come back to them. Right. Yeah. Anytime you're, yeah, if you're moving your body and you're outside, you're most likely not in a place where you can be like staring at your device. So, um, and it makes you feel better. So moving your body and being outside are two great ways to make, make you feel better, um, you know, mentally. So yeah, that's, that's where my mind goes to. Yep. 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 Um, and so I know we wanted to probably, was there anything you wanted to mention about this before we sort of segue into wrapping up and talking about our sort of sleep routines and things that are helpful for us? Um, no, I mean, I, I'm just kind of winging it here and like whatever's occurring to me. So, um, you know, when we met with Rachel um, and talked about um, technology, I forget what season it was, um, maybe, maybe the first season. Um, you know, she talks a lot about how technology is actually can be good and can be used, you know, for um, really great purposes for learning mm-hmm. to have better focus and can be used for stress relief. So some of it is content. But like you said, like we're really watching, trying to watch out for kind of being overwhelmed by too much information. And uh, we haven't even touched on like the negative, you know, like bullying online and things like that. So, you know, there's a lot that can be going on online that can be overwhelming, overstimulating, and um, concerning even. Um, but don't just you know say like you know pour it all, all out um, as if it's all bad. Um, there's there are legitimate reasons why technology is actually good, and I think you even mentioned you know like uh, it's here to stay. So you know we gotta we it, there there's always gonna be bad with the good. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I, um, I like having that balance perspective. And I think, you know, having an ongoing conversation with your kids around how that's changed and impacted you. The thing I feel grateful for is that I remember not having it and our kids don't have that perspective. Right. But I can still be human and say, uh, yeah, I look at my screen time over the week and some weeks I feel really great about myself. And some weeks I think, how did that happen? you know? Right. Um, and it's a reminder to pull back. So, um, and, and like I said too, on our sleep episode, there's times where I, you know, absolutely have my phone out, you know, an hour or 30 minutes before bed, but I try to reset a few days a week and, and get some of that really good sleep. Um, but what's going to work for everyone is really is individual. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So kind of ending on this note of like prioritizing sleep, that was one of one of the things that was mentioned in the article as like being an antidote to to um, a lot of time on social media and screen time. And so we wanted to end with, you know, like a tip for sleep. So what's your tip? Oh, what's my tip for sleep? OK, so the thing that has been helping me is when I start the bedtime routine with my kids, which is way too long and always has been. And there's multiple check-ins that happen. I work on like brushing my teeth, flossing my teeth, um, maybe doing my skincare, maybe not, but I try to get ready in that sense because I notice if I wait, then I end up staying later. I'm scrolling more. I get into more things and it, it just feels hard after the end of the day to like 
wash my face and do all of that. Um, and then I try to have something that I look forward to in bed. So like, I, I like read a book and I will pick my book over a Kindle if I'm needing more sleep, like a real book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or I have um, like on my nightstand, I'll have my skincare stuff so I can sort of put that on at a leisurely plate, leisurely pace. Um, but those are the kinds of things that help me wind down earlier. And I notice if I don't get that done, like all of a sudden it's 11 o'clock and you know, it just gets later and later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I know we did that sleep episode. So I'm like some more tips from that is novel to talk about. Um, same with like the book. I like to, I've been trying to make a conscious effort to read like uh, physical books rather than books on, on a screen, uh, partly to like model for my kids. Like, you know, you can enjoy yourself without um, a screen in front of you all the time, but also because um, if, if I'm reading before bed, um, it does help me fall asleep a little bit easier. Um, and also it's, you know, my, well, I read like on the, on an iPad, if I am on a screen mm-hmm. and it has a lot of light. And so yes. that also, you know, bothers my partner. So, <laughs> or I assume <laughs> it bothers them. <laughs> um, anyway, so, um, anyway, so reading, reading a book, I think is a, is a great one. Um, another one I like to do is I like to get fully ready for bed before it's time to go to bed mm-hmm. and, then, and then just kind of enjoy kind of the evening routine so that because that evening routine of like hanging out and just being kind of slowed down makes me kind of sleepy naturally. And if I then have to go like brush my teeth and wash my face and all that stuff, it wakes me up, uh, like gets me too riled up. So I like to kind of get ready for, for bed before it's time to go to bed so that I can just kind of transition during that phase when I already feel sleepy. Yep. Totally. Totally. Um, well, I love that. I know we need like our own bedtime routines, just like our kids. And I feel like I'm lucky. I'm pretty flexible. I can like stay up late and I can sort of recover. Um, so it doesn't always look the same every night, but when I get that good rest, it feels so good. I crashed at the end of this week and I went to bed when my kids went to bed on Friday and I just oh, yeah. slept all the way through. So that felt really good too. Oh, that's nice. That's really nice. Yeah. So. All right. Well, thanks for chatting with me hopefully two months don't go by till we see each other again but um, absolutely if it does have a great time (laughs) (laughs) you too we'll be in touch over the summer and um, I like to when we put something up on Instagram or if you hear here you can let us know different topics that you want us to cover um, for Mm -hmm. the next time that we record yeah absolutely okay thanks everybody bye Thank you so much for listening today. Make sure to leave us a review and subscribe. That really helps us with the podcast and share it on social media with your friends. And if you want to find out more and follow us, you can go to The Mental Mile on Instagram. And check our show notes if you want to um, check out our books, Self-Care 101 for Busy Parents, which is an ebook by Christy, and Running for Mental Health, a how-to guide by Cheristy. Take care, everybody.